You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer a questionable advice and only the finest TV and movie recommendations for whatever ails you. As usual, our disclaimer, Rafer, you and I are not real therapists. No. But we are real TV and movie critics. Yes. You even have bylines. We were just written up in AV Club the other day yeah. where it said you were a legit film critic in there, Rafer. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. And if the AV Film Club says it, then you know it's true. <laughs> exactly. So with that disclaimer out of the way, Rafer, shall we get to our first patient? Yes. Uh, let's take this letter from someone who has asked that we call her Kathy. Kathy writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, my husband and I have a wonderful relationship, but we don't see eye to eye on finances. I want to have a concrete plan to get out of credit card debt, but my husband seems resigned to the fact that we will always have some kind of debt because we live in an expensive area. The credit card debt feels like an albatross around my neck, and I really want this weight lifted. I also want to model for the children how to live within your means and be financially responsible. Do you have any recommendations for a movie or TV show that shows a couple improving their communication skills when it comes to money? Thank you for all the help. Oh, Kathy, I got to say right here and right now, I'm on your side here. Yeah. I, I think your husband, he's resigning himself to something that he doesn't have to be resigned to. That seems like, kind of like giving up to me. And you don't need to give up. You don't need to do that. I think that's right. You can pay down those debts. You, you can do it. It may take a while, but I believe it can be done. Uh, Rafer, I know you at one point were talking about how you paid down some credit card debt. It, it can be done. Yes, it can totally be done. Um, but I, I, I know uh, what Kathy's husband is saying. This idea that you live in an ex in an expensive area, um, and so you'll always have some kind of debt. I kind of get that. I feel like I'm sort of in the same boat. I feel like, in a way, I'm living in an area that's a little bit too expensive for me. But I want to say that as far as credit card debt, I think your husband is is. It just demonstrably flat out wrong. Yes. It's just, it's a complete, complete waste of money. You really just might as well take it and just throw it into the middle of the street and never think about it again. <laughs> it's a, it's, it is, it is just money draining out of your pocket every month for no reason. The interest rates are, even for the lowest rated credit card, the lowest interest rate on a credit card is ridiculously high, let alone some of the ones that are in the like, you know, 17, 19, mm -hmm. 23%. Um, it's, it's impossible to pay that down unless you really like just focus yourself and do it. I mean, if you, if you don't make a, if you don't make a plan and do it, you'll never do it. And it will just, it will just multiply exponentially. It really is. And yes, and I did, I did pay my credit card down. Uh, my wife is, I think, still paying some of hers down. We don't have a ton. Um, but I did pay mine down to zero and it took me a long time, but we just buckled down and did it. And, you know, and forewent the things that we had to, that we had to. And, um, 
and it felt great and it feels great now. And I'm just so glad that I'm not paying, you know, $35, $70, $100 a month to a credit card company. It feels great. But I'm curious, Rafer, did you and Anne have to sit down and have a heart to heart about it? Did you make a spreadsheet? How did you go about doing it? And what wisdom would you share with Kathy and her husband on this? I don't remember, except that I think what we just did was we used that automatic payment, automatic bill pay function in your bank account. Mm-hmm. Everyone, I think, has got one these days. And we just did it and built it in and and refused to put anything more on that credit card. And that meant not a vacation, not a, not an outfit, um, not a restaurant tab, not anything um, birthday stuff for the kids, nothing could go on that credit card. And it meant, you know, we had to shave some things down here and there. Um, but not really that much, I think, when we really, you know, when we really get down to it, I don't think we rain, we had to rein in our, our spending so much that it felt like, oh, like, you know, our belt is so tight. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. We just, we had to forego some luxuries and some things and the things that we didn't really need. And, you know, it took a long time. Uh, I don't remember how long. I mean, a couple of years, if not more, but we paid it down and now it's at zero and we've kept it there. And, and like I say, it, it's a, it's a fantastic feeling because you just know that that's money in your pocket. Absolutely. And Kathy, Rafer and I want you to have that feeling too. And that's why I'm prescribing the documentary Maxed Out, Hard Times, Easy Credit, and the Era of Predatory Lenders. I don't know this documentary. Uh, When is this from? What year? It's from 2006. Oh. And it is an award-winning documentary, and it has so many fascinating talking heads in it. Everyone from Elizabeth Warren to Jimmy Carter. There's so many people in this. And cultural touchstones along the way, too, like Robin Leach and so on from Uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Right. And what I think Maxed Out does so well is it looks at why Americans are so far in debt. And it examines the consumer culture that presses us to buy beyond our means, uh, where that message is coming from. And it's coming from a lot of different places. It's not just in your heart. It's not just your own greed. It's actually coming from our economy, from our government. It's coming from a lot of places to spend beyond our means. And notably, it also dives into the questionable practices that consumer lending and credit card companies use to rack up huge profits and how their number one goal is to bleed customers dry just like they're trying to do with you and your husband, Kathy. Here's a clip. Sean was 18, and we took him to the University of Texas at Dallas. He was a National Merit Scholar, and he was so happy to be going to the big city, to go to Dallas. We drove up that first day, and there were tables of people signing up for credit cards. But, you know, I didn't worry. He's 18. He's unemployed. Who's going to give him a credit card? He went back for his sophomore year, and... I noticed he was getting depressed, but and he was working more hours, and he was buying things, and I didn't know why. Because I didn't ask, you know, I just didn't ask. And it got to the point that he was, he had gotten, at that point, 12 credit cards. I mean, he was still, he was making minimum wage. He had two MasterCards and a Visa. I think he had Discover, and he had... Uh, Neiman Marcus, Neiman Marcus, and all these credit cards. And But did I ever sit down and say, are you $12,000 in debt? No, because it never occurred to me that a, a college student can be that far in credit card debt. Well, that was basically me in college. It's exactly Ooh, the same thing. Really, Rafer? Those predatory credit card companies went right after you? You know, I just remember I would get offers from these guys in the mail constantly. Uh, how, you know, how they got a hold of me, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't remember how people built their marketing lists back then before the era of social media. Oh, but, this movie will tell you some of it. Oh, is that right? Some of those colleges make millions of dollars off of selling your contact information to the credit card companies. Yes, your college did that. That makes sense because my college had a credit card Mm -hmm. that I could sign Mm -hmm. up for, um, all this different stuff. And, you know, the idea that you could get um, a credit card and then, oh, I could charge, you know, I can go out drinking all night and I'll just put Mm -hmm. it on the credit card or, oh, I want that shirt and I'd go get that shirt and or whatever. And, um, you know, I think I very quickly in my 20s, 
became very, very accustomed to putting things on a credit card and it felt very natural and very normal. And, um, you know, by the time I was 30, I had just been carrying around, you know, several thousand dollars of credit card debt <sighs> just from month to month, year to year, everywhere I moved, everywhere I went, I had a credit card with two, three, four thousand dollars on it just all the time. And, you know, whatever my salary was back then, you know, cut that down by about a quarter or a third because a lot of that was just going to my monthly bill. And I was still charging things on it as well, like furniture for my new apartment. I'll put mm -hmm. that in the credit card. Yeah. So, yeah, I can understand that um, very well. Yeah. And I mean, one thing I really love about this movie, and I know, by the way, Kathy, you did not ask for a documentary. You asked for a movie <laughs> where a couple learns to talk to each other and find common ground when it comes to finances. So I'm prescribing something you didn't ask for, but let me explain why. I think that after you and your husband watch this documentary together, which, by the way, at the time of this taping, is totally free on YouTube and on Amazon Prime. Oh, cool. You'll see who the real enemy is. The real enemy isn't his point of view or your point of view. The real enemy here is all of these companies who are trying to make money off of you. Sure. But if you sit down and watch this together, I think maybe you and your husband will stop fighting with each other about money. And instead, you'll team up. You'll become a super team and you'll fight against predatory lenders instead. Please watch this. It's not a long documentary. I think it's like 85 minutes. You'll watch it and then you'll feel extra motivated to move ahead with a plan and your husband will as well. And you won't have to carry that debt anymore and you'll feel happy like Rayford is. I, it's true. I really do. I, I still get those offers too. I still get those offers and I always feel like, not today, Satan. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's great. It's a good feeling. Okay, that sounds good, Kristen. But what about you, Rafer? What are you going to prescribe Kathy and her husband? Are you going to give her what she asked for, a, a movie with a couple that tries to find common ground? I don't know if I'm going to hit it. I'm not going to hit it quite. Uh, I'm not going to hit the nail quite on the head with this, but I will uh, give Kathy a movie about a couple that is trying to communicate. Um, mm. It's a movie uh, from 2012 called Hope Springs. And it's a drama that kind of um, fell under the radar, uh, given the cast, um, which is Meryl Streep and Tommy Lee Jones. Um, and they play a couple uh, called Kay and Arnold Soames. They've been married for decades. Uh, they're empty nesters. They've got a grown uh, child. Their marriage is in trouble. They, have, um, they aren't physical with each other. They've slept in different beds for years, um, and they have not had sex in years upon years. So Kay convinces Arnold to take a vacation in this little cutesy, quaint resort town called Great Hope Springs. I think it's in Maine. And uh, part of the deal is couples counseling with Dr. Feld, played by Steve Carell. And Arnold isn't happy about this, but he's going to grin and bear it and go through it because he loves his wife and he wants to, you know, whatever, try to give her whatever the heck she wants. Here's a clip. And then we did the exercise. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that was... We woke up. Yeah. <laughs> and we were in the same bed. Yeah, it was... It was comfortable. Yeah. This is good. Really good. By taking some time to yourselves, you were able to relate better as a couple. And you both did it without even trying. But, you know, it was nice, wasn't it? To, uh, to do something on your own. You know. I'm thrilled with the progress that you've made. And I think it's going to make it that much easier to proceed to the next step. Next step. That's great. Let's get with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're doing so well, we might be able to get out of here early. <laughs> oh, okay, what? next step. What is it? Write a poem, hold hands in public, sing a serenade. <laughs> Sex. We should just get our things and go. What an incredible cast, for I know. Tommy Lee Jones, Meryl Streep. I mean, oh, you, you would think that this would just have Oscar written all over it. I know. Uh, and it doesn't. It's not uh, <laughs> It's not like, you know, an A-plus Oscar film. Um, but I think it has some good things about it. Um, obviously, Meryl Streep is terrific in this. And it's kind of a version of her that you don't see. This kind of like sexed out version. She's like, you know, this sort of over 60 woman who's kind of hot and bothered. And she's kind of like, you know, always trying to get her husband like on the floor of a movie theater or, you know, in the backseat of a car and trying to get him to go for it. And um love it. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's sort of, you don't usually see, you know, sort of a, a, a horny Meryl Streep. It's not something you see a lot in the movies. It's kind of cool. <laughs> um, and a lot of critics at the time, I think were really impressed by Tommy Lee Jones too. Um, you know, because he's so often playing, this kind of my where the highway kind of guy. And mm -hmm. in, and in this movie, he's playing 
kind of a different role. He's like one of these Eisenhower era men who's kind of full of feelings, but he doesn't know how to express them. He doesn't even really know how to feel them. So he's vulnerable, but distant. And he, he, you know, he, he can't, he, he can't sort of let down his guard. And so it's kind of a different role for him too. Um, so it's not a movie about money, obviously. It's a movie about sex, but it is a movie about communication and about how mm. this wife is trying to kind of force the issue the whole time. And that's what keeps backfiring. What keeps backfiring is that, you know, Kate keeps trying to jump her husband and sort of, you know, kickstart his sexuality and it doesn't work, but she keeps trying and trying and trying. Um, and as the movie goes on, you kind of start to realize that there's going to have to be a, there's going to have to be a third way. Whatever happens here is going to be, it's got to be organic and he has to be a part of it. He has to Obviously, he has to join in and mm -hmm. and and sort of get with the program. So, again, like it's not it's not a capital G great movie. And, um, you know, but it, it felt it felt very real to me and the performances felt real. And it is kind of a nice movie about two people who have been married for a long time trying to communicate with each other and reconnect. Mm -hmm. And I thought that might work um, for our listener. And also fun fact, um, it's based on a novel by Charles Webb, the guy who wrote the graduate. Really? Sort of an, yeah. It's just very, it's like one of those lesser known later novels the original, I haven't read it. The original name was called new Cardiff. Um, but it was like a little tidbit buried in the credits that like, <laughs> it was sort of like this <laughs> odd thing, like really? Anyway, it's a, it's a good movie. It's fun. It's well acted and it might sort of speak to Kathy's predicament. Mm. Well, a lot of folks say the most difficult conversations in life are death, sex, and money. So I have heard that somewhere. Yes, possibly a podcast by our former colleague, Anna Sale, who we used to work with. Yes, but death, sex, and money, that's one of them right there in Hope Springs. That's right. All right. So once again, our recommendations are from me, Hope Springs, and from Kristen, Maxed Out, Hard Times, Easy Credit, and the Era of Predatory Lenders. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but before we do, do you need some movie therapy? Visit our website, raferandkristen.com, and fill out the contact form. You do not have to use your real name. You can be like Kathy, who just wrote to us, who says that her real name isn't Kathy, but maybe it is Kathy. We don't really know. She just said to call her Kathy. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. And if you haven't already, join the conversation on our Facebook community. That is facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. When we're back, we tackle a letter from someone who's become a disappointment to her parents. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. We're back with our second letter of the week. Kristen, what does our second patient have to say? Our second patient is Amy, and Amy writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I am the daughter of very religious conservative parents. I decided quite early at the age of 19 or so that this just was not how I feel about the world, and I needed to listen to my inner voice and live in the world in a way that felt true to me. This, as you can imagine, has not gone over well with those same parents, especially my father, and I regularly get subjected to very impassioned arguments and attempts at helping me see the error of my ways. Needless to say, 
This is exhausting. Do you have a movie prescription for me to help me feel empowered about choosing my own path, no matter the consequences? That's tough. Religion. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, that's one of the world's great uh, wedges, I think, at least in the modern world. Oh, yeah. Um, I have a lot of difficulty with this subject, too. I have um, one I have one half of my family um, is a very, a very religious um, uh, and and they I think politically we're very different. Philosophically, we're very different. Um, and it's you know, it's it's difficult. It's it's hard to find common ground with something that's that. um why that's that fundamental that's that fundamental to the way that you are and the way you see the world um that informs so many of your choices and all these things it's very difficult and i have tried to uh, over the years um get myself out of kind of a knee jerk reaction mode which i think is how i've been for most of my life and very you know anti religion and uh, very dismissive and i've tried to be much more um uh accepting and encompassing and understanding and and be a lot more live and let live i think with people um about this kind of thing and even just trying i will say has made me feel a lot better about everything even if i have not quite succeeded <laughs> i think the trying at least makes me feel better and makes me feel less angry and less um and less judgmental i think of people good um now, with me, Reefer, I'm not sure if you know this, but I used to be very, very, very religious when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. I did know that. I loved my Jesus. I went to uh, Bible camps. I, um, yeah, I, I prayed every single day when I was a kid from as long as I could did remember. You really? Yep. Starting when I was very, very young, like three years old, I remember learning to pray every night, to kneel before bed and pray. And my religion meant a great deal to me. But there was a certain point when I was a teenager where, I started asking questions and I wasn't satisfied with the answers my church was giving me. And it meant that, you know, I, I can still take away valuable lessons from the church. I can still have, you know, certain people in my life that I met through church, but I just can't believe all these things that I'm being told to believe. And that's okay. That doesn't make me a bad person. It just means that I am seeing the world in a different way than what I was taught to see it in. But that doesn't mean I'm bad. It doesn't mean I have no ethics or morals. No. And it doesn't mean I'm going to look down on other people who are still members of the church. My nana was in the church until the day she died. She loved the church. She had friends there. She had community. She was in the choir. She did volunteer work. So she loved church, and it gave her so much. And I'm never going to put down people who want to have that in their lives. However, I just to get back to Amy here for a second, I do find it tough when other people are trying to push me. True. You know? True. Uh, whether it is very hardcore people who push me on things like crystals and horoscopes or people <laughs> who are trying to be fishers of men trying to get me back into the church. Either way, I'm like, no, I don't want to be a part of that. You can believe what you want to, and I'm not going to ever criticize that. But I need to believe what I want to, too. And Amy, I hope you can get to that point if you're not already there where, you know, live and let live. And I hope your parents can get there too. But obviously, that's on them. Right. Whatever you do, I don't think you're going to be able to change your parents. Hopefully, though, you can, you know, draw a line in the sand and just say, I love you. I understand why you believe what you believe. And I'm never going to put that down. And I am not throwing away the ethics or the morals or the decency you brought me up to believe in. But... I am not going to your house of worship anymore. And I hope that it can just be left at that. I hope so. It's a it's a tough one. Um, well, Kristen, what's your prescription for Amy? All right. Well, I'm just going to say right now, I peeked into the script and I saw your prescription and I think yours is better than mine on this letter. <laughs> <laughs> I know yours too. And I'm, I disagree. I disagree. Keep going. Really? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, mine is a TV show that aired from 2016 to 2020 called The Good Place. And I know you know the show, Reefer. I love this show. I love this show. My entire family loves this show. We we binged it in what seemed like about two and a half weeks, the entire yes. thing. We, were just, we just ate it up and ate it up and ate it up. We could not get enough. It's fantastic. Yeah, The Good Place is such a special show. And on the surface, you might just think, oh, it's just another network show, casting a wide net. Everyone's going to like this show. It's not unique. It's not challenging. 
But the more you watch it, I am guessing you're going to see a lot of other things happening with the show that that are poking holes and things that some people believe in and so on. So uh, anywho, let me explain what the show is about in case you don't know it. When The Good Place starts, the initial plot rests on the premise that a selfish, shallow woman named Eleanor, played by Kristen Bell, has accidentally been sent to The Good Place after her death. The Good Place is a highly selective, kind of like heaven sort of utopia designed and run by an afterlife architect named Michael, played by Ted Danson. In order to retain her spot in The Good Place, Eleanor tries to pretend she's actually a good person, even though she knows she doesn't belong there. But as the show moves along, we come to see that The Good Place is more than what it seems. Here's a clip of Eleanor and her friend Cheedy, played by William Jackson Harper. Cheedy, you'll stand by my side no matter what, right? Of course I will. Promise me. Say, I promise I will never betray you for any reason. Eleanor, I swear that I will never say or do anything to cause you any harm. Good. Because those aren't my memories. I wasn't a lawyer. I never went to the Ukraine. I hate clowns. There's been a big mistake. I'm not supposed to be here. Wait, what? This show really took me by surprise, I think, because... We've kind of seen some of this stuff uh, done before, like Defending Your Life by Albert Brooks mm-hmm. and, you know, some of these afterlife uh, things that movies and TV shows that imagine the afterlife. Um, and the the premise was very funny. The, you know, the, the, the fish out of the water, this sort of horrible <laughs> person who is just this terrible, you know, uh, sort of person who treated everybody around her terribly and kind of got what she deserved when she died and then somehow wound up in heaven um, and now has to like continue lying. Um, it's just, it's a great premise, but then it does have, I don't want to spoil too much. It does have a little bit of uh, a little bit of JJ Abrams in it somewhere. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think he's actually involved, but it's got a little touch of that where there's sort of, there's a, there's a premise inside the premise, inside that premise, and all yes. these sort of different things that kind of happen and unfold and surprise you, you know, episode after episode, season after season. It's a lot of fun and very smart, really, really, oh. really super smartly written. I do want to say, I know that hearing me and hearing Rafer talk about this, you might think, well, this does sound religious. There are things like an afterlife and a heaven here. But no, 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 no. I want to make clear, yep. while it does use certain religious tropes, it questions those tropes. And more than anything, I think The Good Place is an exploration of moral philosophy. Yeah. And it uses great humor to examine what makes a person good, what makes us ethical, what makes us worthy of being loved, what makes us love other people. How do we connect with people who are different than us? And how do we see the goodness in ourselves and others? And I think you will by the end, hopefully, if you watch this with your parents, Amy, I don't know if you will watch this with your parents. I hope that all of you do get the message that it's not about religion. It's about being good. Right. And whatever that means to you, you don't need religion for it. That's uh, yeah. And and at the same time, I don't think that this show is um, is judgmental about religion either. Exactly. It's really it's really not um, it's really not. a satire on religion, really, even. Um, It's just, it really is, like you say, trying to kind of wrap its head around these really big issues in a fun, creative, inventive way. And I think it really does it. And um, what an ending. What a beautiful, beautiful ending to that series, right? Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Great show. Maybe I cried. Maybe I cried. Oh, I'm sure you did. I know I did. We all did. But Amy, I want to make clear, this is also hilarious. It's not just like me and Ray for crying. Yeah. We also laughed and laughed and laughed watching this show. It's such a good show. It really is. Totally. Well, okay, so I, I, I'll I'll give my prescription. Um, and I love your prescription. Oh, I'm so <laughs> glad to hear that. I'm so glad to hear that. I was I was I was a little um, hesitant about it, but I've I've chosen an old classic from 1984. I chose Footloose. Um, yes. You know, and I know it's kind of a ridiculous recommendation, but you know, I mean, because who hasn't seen Footloose? But um, if you haven't, I'll give you the plot here. Uh, it's the story of a 
kid from Chicago named Ren McCormick. And he's a <laughs> super cool, you know, popular city kid. He's, you know, really into the music of the 80s, the police and David Bowie. And he kind of looks like David Bowie because he's played by a young Kevin Bacon. And uh, Ren and his mom, unfortunately, have to move. They have to leave, leave Chicago and they find themselves living with some family in this very, very tiny town called Beaumont, somewhere in the Midwest. It's so tiny that it's not even spelled the French way. It's spelled B-O-M-O-N-T, Beaumont. Um, and this is a real culture shock for Ren. Uh, you know, he can live with the cowboy boots. He can live with the tractor races. And there's a, you know, there's a girl in town named Ariel who's pretty cute. So maybe things won't be so bad. Then he finds out that the town has outlawed rock and roll and dancing, <laughs> thanks to a local preacher named Shaw Moore, played by the great John Lithgow. And this might be more than Ren can handle, especially when he finds out that Ariel is, you guessed it, she's the preacher's daughter. Here's a clip. And he is testing us. Every, every day, our Lord is testing us. If he wasn't testing us, how would you account for the sorry state of our society, for the crimes that plague the big cities of this country, when he could sweep this pestilence from the face of the earth with one mighty gesture of his hand. If our Lord wasn't testing us, how would you account for the proliferation these days of this obscene rock and roll music with its gospel? of easy sexuality and relaxed morality. If our Lord wasn't testing us, why, he could take all these pornographic books and albums and turn them into one big, fiery, cinder-like hat. But how would that make us stronger for him? Ugh. Reefer, I love this movie so much. I loved that you picked this movie. This movie is, by the way, the original. Not the remake. Not the remake. The remake, I'm going to say the remake, not that bad. Not that bad. I was okay with the remake, but there's no replacing the original. Yeah, the original is is so special. All the supporting cast is so good in this. Diane Weiss, Sarah Jessica Parker, everybody who's in this movie yes. is so good. And the soundtrack in the original is fantastic. I'm holding out for a hero. And you know what that hero is? Footloose the movie, the original. Yes, that's right. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I just want to say, Rafer, I think this is such a good pick because this is really like the manifest station on the big screen of your life right now, Amy, you are saying yeah. to your parents, you are like Ariel in this movie, in your Catholic girl miniskirt saying, Daddy, <laughs> this is the path I need to take. Exactly. Uh, Kristen, do you remember when you and I ran into John Lithgow in the halls of WNYC? <gasps> we didn't just run into him. We chatted with him for a few minutes. That's exactly right. And do you remember what he talked about? I... Just remember how tall he was and being quite taken back, taken aback by that. Because yes, he's incredibly he like tall, six eight or something. He was really, really tall. He's really he was yeah. He's like a good. I'm six three, and he was a good two to three inches taller and and probably wider than I am. He's also like a just sort of a big, big built guy. But I'm blanking out. What 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 did we talk about with him? Did we talk about Footloose? We talked about Footloose. Um, <gasps> yes. And I don't remember how it came up, but we were just talking about he, he had been on someone else's show. He was on Soundcheck. Oh, he's on Soundcheck. Okay. So he was he was coming out as we were going in, and somehow we just got to like this casual chat with John Lithgow, and we started talking about this and music and that, and maybe that's what led to Footloose. And he told this little story, which was he was uh, on I think uh, was it. Third Rock from the Sun. Wasn't that the, the show that he was on mm -hmm. later? He yeah. was on that show and there was an extra in the cast who, at, during some break in the filming, came up to speak to him and say, I just want to tell you that um, I'm from this incredibly, incredibly small town um, where my father is a preacher and he uh, he had also uh, outlawed uh, dancing in our home. He refused to let anybody uh, dance or listen to rock and roll music. And when I was a kid, Footloose came out and I was so taken by it that I actually took my dad to go see it without telling him what it was. And John Lithgow said that by like, like at this time, while this kid was telling him this story about him and his dad, he was like starting to tear up. And the kid said, we saw the movie, we walked out, 
And as a result of Footloose, I became the first person in my family to ever go to his prom. Uh, and and I was so I was so taken by the story. And John Lithgow was just saying, you know, you you just never know what's going to happen when you sign up for a movie. He's like, I just never thought Footloose was going to be anything, and it turns out to like deeply affected many people's lives. Um, granted, about a year later, I saw him tell that exact same story on a talk show. So my guess is that John Lithgow <laughs> has told that story more than once. He's just charmed the pants off of us in the middle of WNYC. But I'm still grateful for that. And I remember it. Oh, my gosh. I totally forgot about it until you retold that story, Rafer. And now that you're retelling it, I'm getting like clumped too. I'm like, oh, I forgot about how good that story was. Yeah, oh. it's a great yeah. story. And, you know, I just think I'm just I'm repeating what we've said before. I'm repeating what Kristen has said here. It's just it's a, this is a great movie about um, you know, uh, people having to try to respect each other's beliefs um, and, you know, let let you do your own thing. And um, and you got to you got to you got to let people be who they are. Yes. So I hope that one or both of these prescriptions works for you, Amy. Once again, from Rafer Footloose from 1984 and for me, The Good Place from 2016 to 2020. I think those are two marvelous suggestions, if I do say so myself. I think so, too. All right. We're going to take another quick break. But before we do, thanks to everyone who has rated and reviewed us in Apple Podcasts. For example, Fan from Philly recently gave us five stars and wrote, My husband and I were longtime listeners of Movie Date, and we were very disappointed when that podcast ended. I was so excited to hear you on NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour and find out that you have a new podcast. I think this is even better than Movie Date. We listen every week and are working our way through the old episodes. Yours is by far the best movie slash TV podcast out there. Oh my gosh, fan from Philly. This letter of yours, it it took me on a journey. Everything about this letter. The fact that you remember our old podcast, that you used to listen to it. The fact that you heard us on Pop Culture Happy Hour. The fact that you think this is better than our last show. The fact that you think that our show is better than all the other movie and TV podcasts out there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, thank you so much. I love it. I love it too. Fan from Philly, thanks for listening. Thanks to everyone for listening. Stay with us. When we are back, we'll have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. Hey, everyone, we're back with our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. Rafer, take it away. Okay. Emily, real Emily, fake Emily, we don't know. (laughs) Emily says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I recently binged all of Girls 5 Eva on Peacock, the show about the girl group from the late 90s that tries to reunite as grown women in their 40s. I laughed so hard at every episode and felt totally seen every time they made a reference to dated status symbols like flip phones or current maladies like stiff joints. Bonus, the music is actually good. I now listen to the soundtrack all the time and laugh as I sing along with lines like, gonna be famous three together because that's one more than two together. (laughs) I'd love another series or movie that gives me that girl's five Eva feeling. What should I watch next? Oh, hooray, hooray. Another Girls 5 Eva fan. I am a Girls 5 Eva fan all the way. That's right. I am 5 Eva with you because that's one more than 4 Eva. Yes. <laughs> Rafer, you would love this show. As a music person, you would love the show. I know. And it is, it is another show that has been on my list to check out. Um, and I remember seeing a lot of ads for it and thinking like, oh, that looks fun and that looks cool. And then I feel like... Um, the buzz kind of died on it sort of quickly. Um, and I, I feel like it didn't quite take off the way that it did. I'm, I'm glad that it has fans. I'm glad that you that that our, we've got a listener here who likes it. I'm glad you're saying you like it because I remember being intrigued by it when it came out. Um, so maybe I'll try to uh, maybe I'll try to cue that up and uh, see if my boys will uh, will bite on that one. I don't know if they'll catch all the references because yeah. there's no shortage of jokes making fun of the late 90s. <laughs> but and, and there's no shortage of jokes making fun of the present predatory music industry assembling, you know, here's a bunch of hot girls, we're going to make a band out of them, right, you know, right. that kind of thing. Um, so I don't know if your sons would get it entirely. But I will say this, uh, the music 
is fantastic. And ah. th- there's a full soundtrack they released at the same time that the show went on to Peacock. So you can listen to all the songs. Oh, okay. And okay. They're, they're very snappy and they're very singable. But then when you pay attention to what the lyrics actually are, because they're emulating 90s songs, they're very problematic. So uh, <laughs> like you'll be singing along with a snappy song and you'll be realizing, hold on, ultimate girlfriend, the next line after I'm your ultimate girlfriend is daddy's dead and I have no supervision. <laughs> I love it. That sounds pretty good, I have to say. All right. All right. I'll check it out. So, Kristen, this is the kind of thing that you excel at. What What are you going to recommend for, uh, for our listener? Well, I'm going to recommend a little movie that came out in 2019 on Netflix called Wine Country. Have you seen Wine Country, Rafer? I remember Wine Country. Yes, I do. Yeah, it was a Netflix movie with um, kind of an all-star cast, right? Uh, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, a ton of people. Yes, absolutely. Now, for folks out there who don't know Wine Country, it is a comedy that simultaneously spoofs and pays tribute to chick flick films, which is, you know, it's a tough balance because it's kind of making fun of them, but it kind of is one all at once. It follows a group of longtime friends who take a vacation to Napa Valley as a birthday getaway from one of them who's turning 50. And along the way, we come to see how much the friends have gone on separate paths over the years, how much they hide from each other, and how much they still love each other and will always be by each other's sides. Wine Country, as you said, Rafer, is an all-star cast. Amy Poehler, who also directed it, stars in it. Uh, Maya Rudolph, Rachel Dratch, Anna Gasteyer, Paula Powell, and Tina Fey are just some of the stars you'll see in this. Here's a clip. I'm going to give you a song from the heart. You guys are dear, dear, sweet. Rebecca Sue is all grown up. I want to... Dedicate this song to my beautiful friend, Rebecca. This is for you, honey chins. Hit tag, boys. What would you like us to play? Eternal Flame. Okay. Yes. Close your eyes. Oh, oh my God. Nail <laughs> me. Oh, cool. I remember liking this movie, but um, I will just say there's so little to it. There's so there's so there's so little happening in this movie that it's like the movie barely even exists, even though everyone's funny in it. Uh, and you know who's really funny in it is uh, Paula Pell. Oh, she's, she's so good. She's really good in it. She's oh, really yeah. funny. I remember thinking like, why? Why do I? She's a writer, and she's been a writer for years and years on Saturday Night Live and things like that, right? Um, yes. Uh, so I think she's mostly known as a writer. But I remember thinking, why is she not in front of the camera more often? She's really funny. Uh, but everyone's really good in it. Everyone. everyone Everyone gets a everyone gets a good line or a little a little moment. There's a great um, there's a, the one thing I remember is there's a great kind of heartfelt moment from Maya Rudolph when she's talking about the death of Prince yes. and how much that meant to her. Right, that's kind of like a good moment in that movie. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad you touched on all of those things, Paula Pell. First of all, I'm glad you touched on her because yes. she is one of the stars of Girls Five Eva, and she is hilarious. Oh, I did not know that. And. Uh, I'm glad you touched on that moment with Prince and the music because the soundtrack of this movie is phenomenal. Is that right? It's every 80s hit that you loved and many that you were embarrassed to love. I'm talking Straight Up by Paul Abdul, Eternal Flame by The Bangles. I'm talking Hold On for One More Day by Wilson Phillips. Of course, there's Prince in there. Of course, there's Duran Duran. And it's not like Girls 5 Eva where every episode has multiple song and dance scenes. You know, there's just a couple of songs in this that they actually perform. But when they're not singing, the soundtrack is phenomenal. And the soundtrack is on Spotify. I'd forgotten about the soundtrack, kind of big chill style, right? Oh, my God. I I don't need to talk about the big chill because that's not a good movie. But that soundtrack. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) But like wine country, but you don't like the big chill. God. Um, I, I do, I do remember having a, having a pretty good laugh at it. I remember comparing it, um, to the Grown Ups movies by Adam Sandler and wondering if the women would take offense to that or not. 
in my in my review. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I never saw Grown Ups, but I did really enjoy Wine Country. Gosh, you never saw Grown Ups? I'll be darned. How did that happen? Okay. <laughs> But, Rafer, what are you going to prescribe to Emily here? Who wants that girl's vibe of a feeling? Well, I am going to prescribe sort of a, a kind of the real version of Girls 5 Eva in a way. Uh, it's Salt and Peppa, the Lifetime <gasps> movie from uh, just earlier this year. Yes, yeah. yes. And Reefer, you actually got to interview. Did you interview all of them or one of them? Oh, that's right. You remember I interviewed Sarah. I interviewed uh, Cheryl James, a.k.a. Yes. Salt. Yeah, because <sighs> uh, she lives in Long Island. Um, she, although she was getting ready to move, actually, at the time I interviewed her. So she might be in Atlanta by now. But at the time mm. she was trying to move. Um, but yeah, I got a chance to interview her and she was uh she was cool and she was really fun very down to earth um so yeah this is a a lifetime biopic about salt and pepper the famous rap duo from the kind of mid 1980s and on um uh, two uh, relative unknowns i would say Gigi townsend plays cheryl james she's salt and then uh layla odom plays sandra denton she's peppa and it basically tells the story of their whole career from when they are a couple of girls who meet while they're working in a call center in queens and then they go on to become the top-selling female rap act of all time. They were the first female rap act to earn gold and platinum record sales uh, status. And they were two very different personalities, um, even though you might not have known that seeing them on stage. Salt was more of the kind of quiet, responsible one in real life, while Peppa was kind of the wild child. And so they complement each other in a way, but they also really wind up pushing each other's buttons over the years. <laughs> and, you know, of course, as we all know from these stories, eventually there's a breakup and a lot of hurt feelings. Uh, you know, it's one of those arcs. Here's a clip. Girl, I've got some news. I'm on the phone. What's up? Just hang up. This is important. Hey, baby. Yes. I'm going to call you back tonight. Okay. All right, bye. Sandy, you're not going to believe what's going on, girl. Anyway, she on my nerves. Well, all that's about to change. We got a record deal. You lying. <laughs> I'm serious. You serious? <laughs> <laughs> so what do we do next? Well, well we got to well, sign listen, how much money we get. Sam, Are we going to move Sam, up to the car? Listen, I don't know all that yet. But what I do know is, yo, we got to take this seriously and give it 100%. Like, this is our life now. Yeah. And I'm yeah. dropping out of school. Word? Yeah, and you should too. Nah. The one thing I promised my dad is that I was going to get my education and I got to get it, yo. I can't quit school. But I could take a semester off. But I can't drop out. But we definitely quit. <laughs> <laughs> So young and hopeful then. Listen to those girls. They got a record deal. They got a record deal. And I'm going to say, as a listener, lucky me, because I love all their music. Yeah. I love it all. And I think I've mentioned on this show before, I have seen Salt and Peppa perform, and they're terrific. Oh, wow. They are so good. That's Yes. Whoa. That's, that's when? When was that? A few years ago at one of Cindy Lauper's Home for the Holidays concerts. That's that oh. holiday concert that she does yeah. that helps LGBTQ homeless youth. And so... Salt and Peppa was performing, Nelly was performing, Sufjan Stevens was, Regina Spector. It was quite the lineup. And lots more people who I haven't even mentioned. Oh, that's interesting. That's uh, that's Oh, it was great. Nelly and Sufjan Stevens. I love it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Well, here's what I'll say about Salt and Peppa. It is about what you'd expect from a Lifetime movie. Meaning excellent 10 stars. (laughs) 10 stars. (laughs) (laughs) What I mean is that the acting is passable. And that the screenplay is, you know, pretty standard issue music biopic. Um, but I will say also that I think the people who made this movie, you can kind of feel that they put some real love into it. Um, the screenwriter is a guy named Abdul Williams, um, who seems to really know his stuff. And he's done some other TV, like miniseries on New Edition and Bobby Brown. <gasps> so like He did he- the New Edition one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know the new edition one. Nice. You do? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> cool it now. You got oh. to cool it now. Ooh, watch. I, I got to stop. I'm sorry. When I sing, everyone shuts off the show, so I need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You would you would have watched the new edition show. Kristen. Of course I did. You know I love a made-for-TV movie, and you know I love some Lifetime. You know totally. I love that. Yes. Well, yeah. Uh, the director is Mario Van Peebles, the son of <gasps> Melvin Van Peebles. I love Mario. So handsome. Yeah, I, I know. Sorry, he's not in it. Oh. But, uh, yeah, he did, he did direct. Okay, And so I think, uh, you know, uh, like I say, I think what's great about the movie is it's got a lot of detail in it. Um, 
And you get these little things that you sort of didn't know, or at least things that I did not know. Like, for instance, I didn't know that salt and pepper got their start by basically picking a fight with Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick. Because um, <laughs> those guys had the show, which is a song I loved. And then salt and pepper did an answer record called The Showstopper, which is sort of a prison yard move, right? You just pick the big guy and try to beat him up. Yes. And then uh, that's kind of what put them on the map. Um, and another fun fact that I did not know is that... Um, I mentioned that they worked at a call center, a Sears call center in Queens. Here's who worked there. Salt, Peppa, Kid, Clay, (gasps) and Martin Lawrence. No. Um, What were they putting in the water in this call center? I know. Um, (laughs) uh, One little downside I will mention is that if you are are a real hardcore Salt and Peppa fan, you will be disappointed not to see Spinderella in the movie. Um, She's the DJ. She got fired from the group. She filed a lawsuit. um, Mm. And that was actually all kind of recent, like within the last couple of years. And Salt and Peppa are the producers on this movie. And so they pretty much much chopped Spinderella out of the story, which is kind of a shame. Um, Uh, But I do think the movie's pretty fun and it's really cool to watch the 80s kind of turn into the 90s. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch the Push It era turn into the Shootin' mm, era and the What a Man era. Do you know what I mean? What a man, what a man. There you go, Kristen. Sing it. Stop me. Stop me. Sing it. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I can't help it. God. So I think if you like that era and if you've got any fondness for that that era of hip-hop especially, uh, the salt and pepper movie is kind of a lot of fun, I have to say. So once again, our recommendations are from me, salt and pepper the Lifetime movie, and from Kristen on Netflix, Wine Country. And I want everybody right now to take note of this momentous occasion because Rafer prescribed a Lifetime movie. That's true. And on that note, that's it for this episode of Movie Therapy. (laughs) Please don't hesitate to reach out if you need some questionable advice and solid movie recommendations. We are at RaferandKristen at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at RaferGuzman and at Kristen Meinzer. And once again, our website is RaferandKristen.com. We have every movie we prescribed on the show at RaferandKristen.com. So even if you're not going there to write us a letter, you can go there and just see our list of movies. Please rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows and tell your friends about us. It really helps us a lot. Until next time, I'm Salt. <laughs> and I'm Peppa. No, we're not. I'm Kristen. <laughs> I'm Rafer Guzman. I knew you'd do something goofy to me, Kristen. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.